The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network and TheGorillaPosition.com, telling the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk, powered by thegorillaposition.com and a proud part of the Roar Network, presented by the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network. We're sponsored by CollarNevelBrand.com, where you can get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout. Also in partnership with HypeCityVapors.com, where you can get 15% off all your EGs for your vape using promo code JKPODCAST. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TBTalkPod. Listen to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and all those other podcatchers out there. As always, I am Big Joe. And I'm Carl Carafel. All right, Carl, another week has come and gone in the world of professional wrestling, and there is quite a bit going on, especially when it comes to WWE and where they've been recently. So yeah. before we, we get to that part of it, uh, they kind of announced their, their quarterly uh, Earnings, you know, as a publicly traded company, this is something that they got to do to their shareholders and, and whatnot to um, give everybody kind of the lowdown on what's going on with the company financial wise. Yes. And this time, <laughs> the the big number that stood out to me was their net income, which I guess is essentially the bottom line and, and the profit that they make. Compared to the last quarter, it is down eighty three percent. That number Wait, is pretty, say that again eighty three percent drop in net income that is pretty alarming carl that is i mean you 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 take a huge conglomerate corporation like this like like to to compare it let's say like you're looking mcdonald's Mm -hmm. right and if they lose 83 percent of their net income what's going to start happening heads are going to start rolling rolling and stores are going to start closing and we're going to see you know like instead of there being you know ten thousand mcdonald's there'll be like 4,000 McDonald's, mm-hmm. right? Unfortunately, that's something that can't be done within the WWE no. unless possibly you start cutting expenses with production and talent. Some shows possibly too, like maybe some of these, I wouldn't call them house shows, but they're kind of these pre-show type things like Superstars, Main Event, um, well, 205 Live, I mean, I think is already essentially dead. And then you just have to start streamlining and, and kind of cutting out some of this unnecessary crap, for lack of a better term. Because, I mean, this number, um, if not corrected, could mean some real trouble. So they, they need to kind of get their act together. And this has got to be something that, that Fox has got to be seeing, too, and wondering what they got themselves into. Because this is, uh, when, when I saw this going through, like it, it just it leaped off the page, and I went, oh, boy. Very much so. Now... What does that net income include? Really, honestly, I don't know. Yeah. Does that include merchandise? Does that include, um, you know, house for travel mm-hmm. shows that they're doing, stuff like that? Now, when it comes to, like, the superstars and, uh, you know, like those types of, of shows that they're doing, um, the main event and stuff like that, those are all being done not really needing any more production for them because they're happening before or after a Raw or before or after a SmackDown. Mm-hmm. So making any any type of cut there, I mean, is only going to piss off employees who are actually getting time on those shows, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, this is really alarming and might be hard to come back from. Well, we'll see. One of the things that they may have to look at cutting was actually our next topic here, Carl. I actually sat down and watched the majority of the show Crown Jewel over in Saudi Arabia. Did you get a chance to uh, to catch this show? I did not. Okay. So let's kind of briefly go through what happened here. I, I didn't watch the whole thing. I, I kind of did sort of a watch the majority and then kind of fast forward through some of the commercials and some of the breaks. So you did a PPR and watch what you want. Essentially, yeah, because yeah. even on these quote-unquote pay-per-view type things, there's a lot of filler and a lot of oh, advertising yeah. and... Yeah, but anyways, 
so they kicked off with a, a pre-show, 20-man Battle Royal. Of course, as you guys are all aware, I'm a pretty big fan of the, the Battle Royal gimmick-type match. Yep. Nothing that special. It was about 12 minutes, which is uh, relatively short for this style of match. And mm. an interesting person over in this match, a Humberto Carrillo, ended up uh, eliminating Eric Rowan to earn himself a United States Championship match versus AJ Styles later in the evening. So it was a cool little thing there. They they put somebody over that I definitely wasn't expecting. Yeah, me either. Definitely that is not something that I would have expected. Mm-hmm. Next up for to kick off the main part of the show this was kind of surprising but i kind of get at the same time kind of knowing how things kind of panned out later we had wwe champion brock lesnar with paul Heyman versus kane velasquez who had Rey mysterio with him this match went all of two minutes and 10 seconds carl and yep if you've had a chance to see i don't know if you had a chance to see any clips or anything and i guess i i love the, the psychology, everything leading up to the match, the stuff afterwards, the actual match itself, hokey as hell, just garbage. When you have two guys in there that have previous UFC experience, I understand. But this was two, it looked, it looked like two wrestlers who didn't quite know how to, like it's, it, it looks so hokey because you have two guys basically pretending to MMA fight when it's actually a wrestling match. It's just, it's, it's a really weird dynamic and it just, it looked as somebody who is a professional wrestling fan and who has seen a lot of MMA, it was just, it was really odd for lack of a better term. Just a, odd is the name of the game when it comes to this match. Just very strange. Yeah. It almost sounds as though, um, like they they were trying to show that it's professional wrestling and that it's not MMA, so they kind of went a little hokey and over the top to to kind of make that discernation mm. between the two possibly. It was all just kind of punching and kicking, and and Brock ended up uh, with a kind of a Kimura. Uh, armbar to to end the match. Um, there was very little actual professional wrestling in this match. It, it it just for me, it did absolutely nothing for me. And I have a feeling, given the scenarios and whatnot, after this was done, Brock Lesnar was on his personal jet and out of the country. So do you, do you think maybe that it was uh, Vince McMahon calling shots and saying, um, you know, we need to, to maybe make a little <laughs> bit of a mockery of MMA and go out there and just uh, over the top and make it look like crap. That's an interesting theory there. Is it possible? <laughs> Who knows at this point? At the end of the day, like I said, very, very short match. I, I get that length of match going over somebody smaller or somebody that you want to just kind of crush. This, I don't know. It doesn't do Cain Velasquez any favors. It just, it, it, the dynamic is so strange. It, it and now Brock is supposedly going over to Raw with the other title. Ugh, it's just, it, it's so confusing what's going on there. And eh, we'll, we'll see what happens going from this Definitely. To, and keep in mind, yeah. people, that Cain Velasquez actually does have yeah. uh, professional wrestling training and has worked down in, where is it, AAA, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has actually, you know, professionally wrestled. So it's <laughs> not as though it was a situation of somebody coming in totally green to the business and... Mm-hmm you know, kind of going, well, what am I going to do here? Let's just make something up. No, both of them have professional wrestling training, so they could have gone out there and actually put on a, a pretty good professional wrestling match between two big guys, but ended up not doing so. Sight unseen, if you were to see this the first time and have never seen King Velasquez before, you would have thought that he had no professional wrestling experience whatsoever. Wow. Yeah, very odd. But uh, going from that to something that was... I guess could best be dist- well. I, I can't really use the proper terms. We try not to swear in the show. Bit of a cluster, I think is uh, the best way to, to put this. It was a nine-team tag team term oil match. Yes. Oh boy. So here we go. We had at the beginning. Uh, I'm trying trying to sort through this because there's so much here of the teams. We had we had Lucha House Party involved in this. We had Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. We had Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. We had Heavy Machinery. We had the B team, we had the Revival, we had New Day, Viking Raiders, and the OC. And it was basically almost kind of like a gauntlet style type of thing. And 
yeah, it gave all the tag teams uh, a time to to kind of do something. In about 32 minutes or so, OC getting the win, and it just it was a typical kind of tag team thing. Everybody kind of getting their spots in, getting a showcase for the crowd. Not much else more than that. Wow. And yeah, I mean, you got to figure there's nine mm-hmm. teams. That means that there's 18 people yep. that are going to be in this match at some point or another. Time-wise, half an hour, maybe a little bit too long, mm-hmm. but giving enough time for all of those teams to kind of showcase their their big highlights that they do. Um, yeah, I mean, any time that you get more than three, I would say, tag teams in a match together, yeah. you're going to have a huge mess. They had also with us too, in a previous Crown Jewel event, when Braun Strowman won, he won that that belt. That I forget what they even call that. With this, they won what was called the WWE Tag Team World Cup. And does this winning this entitle them to anything or whatnot? Really unclear. They didn't explain that at all. So this is a trophy that they won and no word if it even means anything. Yeah, just a simple trophy that was made for them and put out there. And now they're being considered the best tag team in the world. Kind of like they did, uh, you know, last time with Shane McMahon being the best in the world, winning that other tournament. Now we've got the tag team side of it and, uh, yeah, so now I guess the OC is the best tag team in the world. So we'll have to see how the OC can kind of maybe take that and make it into something. Hopefully creative has a good idea of what they want to do with this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can actually start to see a little bit more from the OC. Uh, because, I mean, let's face it, an amazing tag team that's mm-hmm. been kind of thrown to the wayside with absolutely nothing. So hopefully this is going to give them a little bit of something good. For sure. I mean, I mean, they were one of the best tag teams over in Japan with their time in, over there. And over here, just it's it feels like such a squandered opportunity with both of these guys. And it could very well be the last time we see Machine Gun Carl Anderson over there in Saudi Arabia because his wife took to social media and said, you're not going over there anymore. We were worried sick about you. So probably the last time you'll see him over there. Yes. Uh, and that's, uh, we'll get to it, but mm-hmm. that's um, not the... F- only person to have said something. Absolutely. Going from that, we had Mansoor, which is actually a homegrown talent over there in Saudi Arabia versus Cesaro in his Capri pants. This went about 12 minutes, Carl, and it was a really good match. What I, and this might seem like a little bit of a nitpick. What is it with Cesaro in his attire with these short Capri style pants that he's wearing? It, it doesn't fit him at all. Just, it looks so odd. I don't, I don't, it, it does. It's such a minor thing, probably to most people, and it seems insignificant. But when I look at that, I just go, "What are they doing with this guy?" Especially considering like how he's how he's dressed and 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 his appearance in in the past has really made him look like a bona fide superstar. Yeah. This just really makes him look like like an old man trying to be a teenager, <laughs> right? Like that's yeah. the best way that I can describe it. Yeah. it it's it's really just off the wall and really not not very indicative of what mm-hmm. Cesaro actually is, right? And, I mean, I wish that they'd kind of just let him go back to, um, you know, how he was as Claudio, mm-hmm. right? Like, he just had he, he had the simple, the simple tights that were on him. He had the elbow pads, the knee pads, and that was it. And, you know, you wanted to see what he could do? Well, you saw it in the ring. You didn't have to have some sort of attire to make him look like anything. Yeah. Going from that, we had, well, we've talked about this before. We had Tyson Fury versus Braun Strowman. This was really odd. Even just before the match started, Tyson Fury came out to this, I don't know if it was a song kind of by Aretha Franklin. It was some of the, uh, one of these singers from, from before. And then he came out dressed in like Saudi Arabia attire and then took that off and he's just running like a tank top shirt and shorts. Like it just... It, Oh, it, it was very strange, and it was another one of these ones where I just, I feel so bad for Braun Strowman when it comes to all this because he ended up losing by count out in this thing because Tyson Fury, Fury knocked him out, and then Braun got counted out, and you, just, you see him walking up the ramp into the, looking into the back area. Like, he just, he didn't look back. You could tell just, like, he was, like, just pissed the fact that he had to do this. This guy has just been so damaged recently. They They had... 
really has somebody with this guy. They had a big powerhouse guy who actually got really good at wrestling and, and, and really stood out. And he's losing to celebrities who are boxers. I mean, just it boggles my mind. And it does mine as well. I mean, we, you take a look at Braun Strowman and, and you should be seeing this guy who's going out there and being, uh, as they've called him before, the monster among men and really taking to that and and, and just kicking ass mm-hmm. and showing that he is the most dominant person in that business. And then you have something like this come in where I think Tyson Fury actually went to, um, and we, we don't normally get political on this show, but I think no. he actually went and took some pointers from uh, Justin Trudeau um, <laughs> on the attire for... Yeah, yeah, this is how you should dress over oh. in Saudi Arabia, um, which it, I saw photos of it and it just looked totally ridiculous. Yeah. Like, are you Saudi Arabian? Are you like, do you have any type of background in that at all? And if no. you don't, why are you trying to dress like that and and show that it just makes absolutely no sense? It would be like you and I, Joe, going and, uh, you know, going over to Japan and trying to do something over there, dress like uh, dressing Kimuras or something, right? Like, no, yeah, it yeah. would look totally ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, on that and then to have him lose, especially to have him lose by by a count out. And I understand why they did it. They got to, you know, they paid this guy uber amounts of money. So they mean they need to make him look good and whatever. Right. And, oh, let's not try to hurt Braun Strowman too bad. Let's just have him knocked out and, and, and you know, lose by a count out, not actually by a pinfall. I, totally. I get that. I understand that that logistics of it. But. This, I still state that this match should not have even happened. Just a reminder for everybody, Tyson Fury was paid $15 million for this. And oh, like I almost threw up on my mouth just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's totally ridiculous. I mean, WWE, come on. We, we talk about you guys all the time and, and there are times where we we're putting you guys over and there's times where we've got some yeah. criticism for you. Uh, where's, where's our 15 million, yep. right? Like I'll even, uh, 2 million, right? One for me and one for big Joe. Come yes. on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that would go to doing better things for your company and your brand than it would be to pay this guy $15 million. Who's now going to go back and say, Oh yeah, I competed in the WWE and made $15 million and now I'm not going to ever do anything with them ever again. And that money was just wasted. Again, we mentioned at the top net income for the company down 83% and this kind of crap here can't be helping that, that, that fact. So, Oh yeah. Uh, Anyway, we'll leave that one as it is. Next up, we had probably, I think, probably the best match for this whole deal here. We had United States champion AJ Styles versus Umberto Carrillo. They went about just a little over 12 minutes in this match, and it was a really great back and forth. Uh, the They both made each other look pretty good. AJ really made uh, Umberto look really, really good in that. And th- this kid's got some potential and we'll definitely be keeping a close eye on him. He hung in there with one of the best in the world, so, so props to him, props to AJ. This was the one good wrestling match, in my opinion, for this whole show. And honestly, that that, that was expected. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, anytime that you have AJ Styles going out there in a match, whether you know it's for a championship or with a championship or just any type of singles match or even a tag team match, um, AJ Styles has always been that consummate professional who has always wanted to put everything forward. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like that's that's not surprising at all that AJ Styles had one of the best matches or the best match on the show. And especially for taking a younger talent uh, with younger talent within the WWE, in Umberto and really making him shine as well. So kudos to both of those guys for going out there and putting on a phenomenal show. Absolutely. Next up we had a match that's got quite a few people talking here. Uh, I gotta say the reaction to this match has been pretty 50, 50 from what I've kind of seen here for the first time we had women competing in a match in Saudi Arabia. We had Natalia and Lacey Evans facing off here. This was interesting because it, it very much felt like a very, and I think it's, it's a Lacey Evans issue here that just the, the match is very, was very, very planned out, very rigid. Very it's, structured. It's got to do with Lacey. She's so rigid. She's not smooth in the ring. Like going, she, she doesn't know how to dance with her, with her opponent for lack of a better term. It, it just, it, it's, 
Natty carried her ass in that match, for lack of a better term, okay? And it was a good moment for, for women's wrestling, absolutely. It's not this big, huge thing that a lot of people are making up to be, oh, it's the first... Uh, this country is years and years behind. This is how women should be treated anyways. And the fact that they're making it, oh, we're so progressive doing this finally and blah, blah, blah. It's a very small baby step. Let's be honest, folks. It was nice to see, but it's not this big world-changing event, okay, when it comes to this. Yeah, I definitely have to agree there. It's not anything that's going to, uh, you know, totally flip and change the entire society of Saudi Arabia. This was just a PR stunt that happened to make Saudi Arabia look better in the eyes of the rest of the world, saying we're progressive and we're allowing women to do this inside of our country now. And that's really all that it was. Um, Are we going to, you know, see a professional wrestling company uh, start up in Saudi Arabia that's going to be all women now? No. Probably not. Are we going to see, you know, uh, companies start up and, and women allowed to wrestle? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, was only a PR stunt in my eyes. For sure. Going from that, we had Team Hogan versus Team Flair. This uh, whole 10-man tag team match thing, which, well, we'll get into it uh, kind of briefly here. We had on Team Hogan, we had Roman Reigns, Rusev, Ricochet, Shorty G, and Ali versus the team of Hulk Hogan, who actually had Jimmy Hart with him as well, believe it or not. Uh, oh, sorry. That uh, was what I was just talking about. I got my things a little bit backwards here. That was yep. Hogan had Jimmy Hart with him and had those guys. On Team Flair, we had Randy Orton, King Corbin, Bobby Lashley, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Drew McIntyre. Now, looking at this list of guys on paper, you got something pretty cool here, but it's a 10-man tag team thing in WWE. This went almost 20 minutes, and just it's it's so hard to keep track of kind of what's going on with this type of match, and Team Hogan wins, and beyond that, I mean, there's nothing really memorable that happened in this. I think they, they totally went about it the wrong way. Um, we're coming into, or we're into November Mm -hmm. and during November, what's the big show that happens for the WWE in November? Yeah. Survivor series. We're looking survivor series. So why could we have not given people a little bit of a taste of survivor series by having this five on five with team flair, team Hogan, and then showing people this, this is what you can expect out of a survivor series match, which by the way, is our next pay-per-view for you to see. So if you subscribe to the WWE Network, you'll get not only Crown Jewel, but Survivor Series for free for the first month. Right there, people would have been sold. They would have been like, yeah, cool, awesome. We're going to see a Survivor Series match. We're going to see a Survivor Series match on two different pay-per-views. How cool is that, right? So totally went about it the wrong way. Had they gone about it that way, I think they probably would have uh, been able to maybe get a little bit more, um, you know, subscribers to the network to be able to see Crown Jewel as well as Survivor Series and given everybody a little bit of a taste of Survivor Series, which is coming up. Anybody listening to WWE, if you're listening right now, Mike, listen to my co-host. You should be paying this guy to, to book your shows. That's how you do it. It makes sense. We're going into Survivor Series. We're over in Saudi Arabia. Let's get people a taste of Survivor Series. Makes sense to me. But, yeah. well, you know. I got so. a world of experience and knowledge <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. Please, if you're listening, yeah, get a hold of me. You you know our social media, <laughs> at TB Talk Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Hit me up. Definitely. I mean, you got people. You got, like you got Drew McIntyre. You got Shinsuke Nakamura, Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley. You got the the Cuck uh, Rusev in there. Ricochet, Roman Reigns. I mean, you, you got some of the the best wrestling talent in the business, and it was it was kind of ho hum. And yeah. uh, it's I was, just I was sad to say hum drum, but yeah, ho hum works too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, well. We'll just move on from that one. We'll go on to, I guess, what you could call the main event. We had The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, versus Seth Rollins in a Falls Count Anywhere match for the WWE Universal Championship where they had to add the stipulation in that, well, the match can't be stopped for any reason. Well, duh. Um, I would love to kind of tell you what happened during this match, Carl, and the listeners, but they did this red light thing again, and I could hardly see what was going on. Mm. It was so hard to follow the action. It, the lighting was terrible. They they did this red cane thing again, and it was so hard to follow the action. I 
I probably missed some stuff that happened because it just it was nearly impossible to watch at 21 minutes. And I was lost. You know, how were you watching this? Were you watching this on your uh, brand new computer or were you watching this on your television? I'm watching this on the TV. So Okay, I, and you've got a high def TV. I've got a high def TV. You you got a 4K TV, do you not? I do have a 4K TV. And and with 4K and I understand that, you know, like like television standards really are still only pretty much broadcasting at a 720. Yeah. Um, they, they haven't really hugely made a transition. WWE might be able to, on their own network, get away with doing maybe a 1080. Yeah. But even a 1080 with an up conversion with the 4K television should have allowed you to be able to see absolutely everything, even with that red light. So if that red light was there and you still could not see and you figure that you have missed stuff, WWE, that tells you something you need. <laughs> to change things up a little bit yeah just just have the lights on as you normally would or dim them a little bit but this red uh, stuff that was going on did nothing for me and it just it made it so hard to watch the match and I, I think i possibly could have enjoyed this one too you know we had bray wyatt winning the universal championship which i make sense with the, the brock lesnar thing they're essentially switching the the tiles mm-hmm. and the brands so i guess they, they kind of forecasted this with the brock lesnar thing but uh yeah, just disappointing that I would have liked to have seen what happened during this, but yeah, just the the way that the production was was just was piss poor for lack of a better term. That is totally unfortunate. So there you go, people. Yeah. That was Crown Jewel. So we talked about some good. We talked about some unfortunate. Joe, tell me about this next thing that we have on the run here that is uh, a little bit of an unfortunate. This is something that we're a little bit behind on, and I guess we probably should have mentioned on the last episode, but because um, I, I kind of held back talking about this talk because I know it's a very polarizing and, and kind of a thing going on here. We're talking about the situation with Jordan Miles and the T-shirt business here. What's your take on, on this just before I kind of give you my spin here? Um, I think things could have been handled a little bit differently. Now, I understand that, uh, you know, like Jordan Miles wants to go out there and wants to kind of um, put a spotlight on maybe some backstage stuff that that, that kind of goes on and, and maybe some, you know, I don't even want to say racial, but I mean, it kind of is a little racial stuff that that's happening behind the scenes, yeah. uh, whether that's, you know, Triple H or whether that's, uh, you know, Vince McMahon thinking that it's such good sh- Um, you know, like it's, it's, it's really unfortunate that, that, you know, that this has really come to light now and, uh, people are, I don't think that necessarily people are getting, you know, to, to really see behind the curtain and see exactly what the WWE is, but this kind of gives a little perspective maybe of how some of the, um, superstars, whether they are of a different, uh, race, color, or a nationality can sometimes be treated within the WWE. (laughs) I mean, you just look at the people in that situation in the WWE. You have the you have Oscar and Kairi Sane. They call the Kabuki Warriors. And you have Shinsuke Nakamura, who kind of treated the same way. Yet you have the the, the New Day with the pancakes uh, thing. You could really kind of dig and find hey, hey that that's kind of making fun of black people as well just people of ethnicity just seem to either get tossed to the side or, or they they get turned into a laughing stock in this company and it's really unfortunate giving that this is a worldwide company and they perform all over the world and they bring talent in from all over the world and we're doing stuff like doing a blackface t-shirt for an up-and-coming talent come like what are you guys thinking about and i i think it might have to do with um and again, we talk about this in like different aspects of, of life as well, but I think it has to do almost with an older generation still kind of being and running things within the WWE. You go back in, into the 80s and you look in the 80s, right? Stuff like that happened all the time. Sure did. But it never really was like, I mean, you take Tatanka, you take, you know, like Yokozuna, <laughs> although, you know, Yokozuna was Samoan and not you know, Japanese or, or Chinese, he was, you know, but they, they kind of still put almost that little bit of a, um, a foreign racial type of, of character to it. Right. So, and, and back then people didn't care and it worked. Mm-hmm. Right. But nowadays with, with, with how things have progressed from, you know, the 1970s and the 1980s coming through, we're in 2019 already. We're almost at 2020. Right. So, I mean, like 
something's got to give here. Like this is stuff that you can't be doing anymore. You need to, to maybe step away from, um, you know, trying to focus on the nationality of things and maybe more focus on the talent of things. Yeah, I think it's definitely a product of the times as well. Like you said, back in the 80s and the 90s, we were still kind of doing this racial stereotype thing kind of going on. But I think it was done more of a kind of a lighthearted kind of a, of a, of a tone. Whereas now it just it seems like it, it, with this one, when you, you look at the shirt, and, and I had to look at it for a little while before it kind of kicked things. I just went, okay, it's the, the guy's name with red behind it. And then I kind of put two and two together, and I went, oh, okay. Yeah. Now I understand. Yeah, I, even for myself, you know, like I yeah. – I didn't catch it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really catch it until I saw on Twitter um, somebody make a comparison between uh, the T-shirt and the uh, the blackface um, <laughs> logo, I guess, almost, uh, or caricature uh, that's been put out there. For, for many years, that blackface caricature has been out there. And then to see the similarities between the two, I'm going, ooh, wait, yeah, that's uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Maybe they can kind of start getting their act together with this kind of stuff, or at least tone it down when it comes to some of the kind of the racial stuff because it uh, it can leave a bad taste in some people's mouth, and, and we're seeing it uh, in in the numbers when it comes to to revenue and income and viewership and whatnot that, yes. you know, just, just like you said, just showcase them as talents. And I don't know, it's it's a tough deal. Because in professional wrestling, we got to have characters too. So there there's a fine line between the two there. That's always hard, and it doesn't help in the situation that we have an aging guy who is very old school when it comes to this kind of philosophy. So I think that that's something you know with time could kind of get better. So, yep, you know who knows it, it might get a little bit uh, worse before it gets better. But uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on this kind of stuff. Definitely. Now going back to a guy that we had talked about on this Crown Jewel show, and, and something that I saw that frankly has me a little bit worried. And we're talking about Mr. Ric Flair. I know a personal favorite of yours, Carl. And I know for a lot of people, Ric Flair is the man. A lot of people really respect him. The word is that he has been cleared to take bumps in a wrestling ring again, Carl. Now, this has me very, very concerned. And all I will say is, please don't. You have done plenty for the world of professional wrestling. You do not owe this business anything else. You have done it all. You don't need to do anything else. Just be that persona, be a ringside, be a mentor, be a manager. But for the love of God, Rick, don't take bumps in the ring anymore. You're going to explode, brother. And I, I totally agree <laughs> with you there. I think if uh, if they really want to do something, like you mentioned there, put him into like a managerial type of role. Yes. And if he gets he takes a bump on the outside or he gets into the ring and, ha- you know, gets hit, uh, you know, with a clothesline or something like that, right? Like that's totally different then. Yeah. Right. Because, okay, he's been cleared to take that bump. He's got that one little bump that he took inside the the ring. But other than that, it's it's not needed. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, like if they're trying to get something like a uh, um, Rick Flair versus, you know, Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania type of thing, don't do it. It is not needed at all. But to take a, a small bump on, on the inside of the ring or on the outside of the ring in a managerial type of sense. Cool. Yeah. I get that. And maybe that's what he's been cleared to do. Maybe. And I hope that that's all that it is. It's not a clearance to take bumps again in the sense of, yeah, you can go out there and uh, put on a 20-minute match again. Yeah. I, again, with this situation, we got to think, is this the, the Saudi people going, we want to see Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan before these guys pass away? you, you got to think that it's got to be in the conversation. And I'll always say to both guys, and, and you too, uh, Hulkster, don't do it, brother, because uh, you guys are going to seriously hurt yourself. And then you're going to be you know, spending the rest of your career doing whatever with a walker and a wheelchair. So, yeah, yeah, so don't do it. You guys have done plenty enough for the industry. We, we, we can argue back and forth whether you know, we like either one of them or whatnot. It, you can't deny both of the guys' impact in the industry. They have, like, again, I'm, I'm repeating myself. You guys have done enough. Take it easy. Enjoy retirement and, and watch yes. the, the new school take over. That's right. Speaking of, well, I guess these are kind of, these guys are kind of a combination of old school and new school. We have crowned the new AEW Tag Team Championships in the form of SCU. What did you think of this? Was this the right choice? 
Yeah, I think it definitely was it was the right call. I mean, either team, whether it was SCU or whether it was the Lucha Brothers, I think either way, uh, both teams are really faces within the company of AEW. So you couldn't have gone wrong either way that you went. Um, SCU, do I think that they kind of get over a little bit more with the crowd? Sure, yeah. definitely. They've got that whole, you know, catchphrase of this is the worst <laughs> town I've yeah. been in. And it's really interactive with the crowd. Uh, whereas, you know, the Lucha Brothers, you know, they have, uh, uh, you know, the whole, you know, like no fear type of thing. And that's that's all that they really do. And that's their yeah. crowd interaction. Um, SCU seems to be more enveloped with the crowd and, and interacting with them. So I think that that was probably the best way to do it. Um, did you see the matchup? I did. And, uh, what's on it? Yeah, I, I did enjoy it. And I, I will, I will just say, I think that the right choice for the champions, especially for the company, because with the Lucha Bros, we know that, you know, they've been, for lack of a better term, very kind of overexposed. I mean, we see them all over the place wrestling for a different number of promotions. These guys might not always be available to be on AEW Dynamite or, or, or what have you for the company. SCU, as far as I know, they're mainly just working with AEW, so they're, they're the right choice, I feel, kind of going forward. Sentimentally, I would have preferred to have maybe seen Private Party uh, or something like that uh, win the tournament. Cause, I mean, they, they, they did an incredible job and really got over but uh, I think SCU is the good choice. Scorpio Sky, just just Scorpio Sky. If you haven't had a, a chance to watch him work in the ring, whether it just be in singles or whether it be as part of this team, do yourself a favor and watch some AEW or seek out some of his other work. He is quickly kind of rising, and his stock is rising in the business. He is mm-hmm. a pleasure to watch, folks. And... The interaction was great with Lucha Bros. They're getting a little one-dimensional for me. The, the spots are kind of repeating, but it was it was still pretty good. I just don't want to, to see these guys. It's almost like they should be this team that maybe isn't there all the time because I think if you do too much of this diving and jumping and flippy stuff all the time, that just it, it gets a little overexposed. So I think you need to use them a little bit more sparingly. And I, I agree with you there, especially if, you know, they're they're exposed in other companies as well, whether they're doing, um, you know, New Japan or whether they're doing AAA or AEW or any of these other companies that they, they, they decide to go and kind of work for. Mm-hmm. Um, you've already got a team in, and you mentioned them, private party, mm-hmm. that can do all of that stuff. Yeah. And then you you have a team like Luchasaurus, right? So, I mean, with Jungle Boy... Right. Like he can do all of that as well. Marco stunt. Same thing. He can go out there and really do all of these over the top, high flying, flippy type of of moves. So you really don't need Lucha Brothers to be able to go out there and do that. So use them as a commodity for the show. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, all in all, it was still a really good match. I was I was happy with seeing the match, but you're right. Kind of the same things happening over and over again mm-hmm. and really not needed for that um, in, in a long-term sense. So putting the belts onto SCU, good idea. Now this opens up an opportunity for, uh, you know, SCU to kind of work with some of these other teams that we've mentioned um, and kind of help build them up a little bit more as well because – we got to remember they are the veterans in this company right now. So they can take their talents that they've had over the many years of being in the business and kind of help elevate these other guys as well. Mm -hmm. Now, just briefly, there was something that uh, wasn't on the run when I did this up, but we'll just mention it briefly. Uh, After crown jewel, we did do SmackDown and of course the talent, the majority of the talent that performed there ended up getting stranded. Uh, Essentially, I don't know all the details as to the reason why, but some of the stuff that kind of happened on SmackDown, just to touch on a few things, uh, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman came out, and Paul Heyman referred to Brock Lesnar's victory over Cain Velasquez as, as quote-unquote, spiritually orgasmic. Um, I'm not sure what that is all about. I don't really agree with that uh, that sentiment on that, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is in the mind of Mr. Uh, Paul Heyman. And we essentially, on this show, had a, and I got to say, our own Rick, Rick Vickery actually kind of called <laughs> what happened with this whole thing here. We had an NXT invasion of 
SmackDown, and it was really cool. It was one of the better episodes of uh, weekly television for WWSC in quite a while, and it was capped off by something that uh, we'll get to in a little bit because we're going to get to our match of the week before we take our break here. So it was pretty cool to kind of see this. I was kind of expecting the Vince McMahon approach to be like a clip show or a highlight show and a couple of uh, house matches or something like that, but they did the unexpected and they actually pulled up something kind of cool. So I was I was kind of impressed, actually. Yeah, our friends over at the HDM Podcast Network, they actually put a post out onto Facebook asking uh, asking the people, uh, what do you think is going to happen? And and that's essentially what I had put in as well. I said either they're going to do a clip show, which I, I think still would have been a cool idea had you you know done a clip show of uh, the new SmackDown talent that's come over um, that's worked on SmackDown before. Yeah. So you take a lot of what they've done in the past and, and really reintroduce the people to these characters. Um and then, you know, everybody's familiar with it again. Mm-hmm. Um, going from there, I had also suggested NXT. Yeah. So happy that it worked out that way. Definitely. Everything was good. Of course. So now before we do take our break here, let's get to our match of the week segment, uh, Carl. I think I'll go first uh, this time. For me, this comes from what we were just talking about. It comes, it's coming from SmackDown. A lot of my match of the weeks have been coming from AEW and whatnot. This time it's coming from this episode of SmackDown and the main event between Adam Cole, NXT champion, versus Daniel Bryan, which was actually for that championship. Kind of a dream matchup for uh, a lot of fans out there, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this, and this was my match of the week, and it was really well done, and both guys... Just, just bringing it in and having Triple H and Shawn Michaels at ringside there, a little bit of a bonus there. But, uh, yeah, some some cool stuff here. I thoroughly enjoyed this match. I, I honestly did as well. And the lead-up to this, mm-hmm. having first you see Daniel Bryan in the back yep. talking to Triple H and Shawn Michaels and then <laughs> Daniel Bryan saying, you know, I need, to, I, need, I need to fight, I need a fight, I need somebody. And then Triple H says, well, I'm not dressed for it, but uh, I know somebody who is. And then you yep. see Shawn Michaels start to take off his jacket. Um, and, and it was just a, a really cool thing to see, you know, Triple H and Shawn Michaels back together again, kind of doing some some little bit of hokey fun stuff. Yep. And then Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, going, oh, not me. Oh, it's cold in here. And he puts his jacket back on. Yeah. And then you see Adam Cole. Um, very well done. I was very happy with that. And then the match itself was amazing. Um, that was my number two. Okay. For the week. Um, mine's actually coming from NXT. Okay. Um, a little bit of odd one for 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 people to to, to kind of maybe think, but uh, Yoshirai and Candice LeRae. Oh wow! Uh, nice. Both of them, I think, went out there and they really put on a good match. Uh, Candice LeRae really starting to, to to come into the whole NXT uh, type of of environment. And we know that she's done stuff outside of NXT in the independent scene, but really kind of growing here in NXT. So to see her and Io Shirai go out there and do that match was just phenomenal for me. And there there really wasn't a lot that I could nitpick about with this match. It just yeah. seemed really good. The two of them took their time and just put on a good show for me. Yeah, and they need to do more than that. Uh, or they need to continue with, with that kind of stuff because with the, the NXT stuff, it's been kind of a little bit on the decline too, especially when it comes to viewership numbers. And I don't know if it's just, if it's got the main roster stank on it, for lack of a better term, uh, that's carrying over to NXT and people are feeling the same way or they're expecting the same kind of product. And uh, still give NXT a chance, people. It, it's, it's, it's a better product than the main roster, frankly. And give it a chance. And I think you'll be surprised uh, of what they actually got to show there because yeah. they, they need a little bit of help over there because it, it is a little bit on the dismal side right now. So make sure and tune into NXT, and I don't, I don't think that you'll be disappointed. No, not at all. Okay, Carl, we're going to take a brief break here. We're going to come back with our Showstopper segment, and this is a bit of an interesting week uh, when it comes to, to this stuff here. And let's just say that uh, this has to do with sensitive wrestling fans, and we'll go from there. So we'll see you in a little bit. This week's episode is brought to you by CollarAndElbowBrand.com. Visit CollarAndElbowBrand.com where you can get 10% off everything at the checkout when you use promo code JKPODCAST, including this week's featured item, the At Large t-shirt.
What's up, guys? This is the standard Dusty Gold coming from you from Fayetteville, Arkansas. I'm with Joe and Carl for Turnbuckle Talk. Hey, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafello back here on Turnbuckle Talk. Yes, we are, guys, and we are at that time of the week that everybody seems to love. We continue on our social medias at TV Talk Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We continue to get feedback from our show. Stopper segment. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of where this topic stems from, was from social media here. And this has to do with over-sensitive wrestling fans, especially when it comes to meeting these wrestlers, when it, especially at, at wrestling shows and whatnot. And the talent that kind of specifically was named, because this was, I can't remember what wrestling Facebook page that this was taking a place on, but it had to do with Mr. Nick Aldis, who's the current NWA world champion. And it was a, a fan who was kind of commenting saying, yeah, I had a chance to meet Nick at a show and I tried to get his autograph and he was being really, really mean. And he's like, oh, he, he's such a, such, he's such a, an asshole and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, that's because he's basically playing a heel in the NWA and he likes to stay in character, especially when he's at the shows. This is yeah, what I mean, he should, especially this yeah, is what he I mean, should it's, be it's, doing. It's yeah. It's the <laughs> NWA. That's what yeah. they're basing everything off of yeah. right now. They're basing everything off of this old school type of mentality yeah. when it comes to the world of professional wrestling and, and trying to maybe bring back a little bit of that, uh, right. uh, who is she? Kayfabe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trying to bring a little bit of that back to the industry. Uh, so definitely they have to stay in character. So, yeah, I mean, you, you just caught him in character. That's all that there yeah. was to it, right? So, I mean, you can't be upset over that. No. I mean, everybody can't be, you know, this happy-go-lucky person all the time, especially in this industry when you're playing a heel. And especially outside of the WWE, when when these guys, especially the guys who are playing heels, when they spot you as what we refer to as a wrestling mark, they're going to be a heel towards you because that is their job to do that. Even recently from my experience at the Ring of Honor show in in Toronto, I I ran to Matt Taven, very much having that persona until he kind of recognized who I was and I was wearing my CWE shirt. And then he broke character and he was like, Hey, how are you doing brother? I remember you and, and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. you know, for, for the, the, the usual wrestling fan out there, when you run into a heel character, guess what? You're going to be treated like a wrestling mark. They're going to pie face you. They're going to rip up your sign. They, they may not sign your autograph. They're just being a bad guy. That's the, that's the way it should be. And that's the way it always has been. But you know, some sensitive wrestling fans kind of take this to heart and you shouldn't be, this is part of the show. This is how it should be working. And I don't know if maybe WWE is helping kind of create this kind of scenario because when you go to like a meet and greet with WWE, regardless of whether they're a heel or whether they're a baby face, they're all kind of like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? And they're really, really nice. So maybe that could be part of the problem. It could be, but I also wonder uh, what the context was that this person went up to Nick with. Right. Right. Like yeah. if you went up to him and kind of ran up to him with, you know, like a cell phone camera in his face and, <laughs> and you know, like videotaping this and stuff. Well, of course, he's going to have to stay in character. Yeah. Right. It's totally different. And even because because you and I, we interviewed Nick a while ago, looking about two, two and a half years ago. Yeah. Um, one of the best interviews that we have done, one of the best people that we have had the opportunity to talk to so interviewing nick he was a gentleman through and through um and and i i can't remember if he was playing a face or heel character at the time but Mm -hmm. outside of that like we cut and and he like talked to us a little bit longer and you know like uh, Mickey James had just had the baby, you know, that like a year, a year prior. Right. Yeah. And we heard the baby in the background and he's talking about the, talking about the baby and talking about Mickey and, yeah. you know, stuff like this. And, you know, that was one of the things that, that he said at the beginning, you know, cause we, we always, when we interview somebody, we always make sure that we're not stepping over any lines or boundaries. And we ask them, what do you, what can we not mention and talk about? Right. And that was it. That's all he said was don't talk about Mickey. Yeah. I, I do not want this to be about Mickey James. So we're like, okay, cool. 
That's fine. But afterwards, after all the recording stopped, then mm-hmm. we talked about Mickey James for a while yeah. and, you know, got to, to, you know, introduce to Mickey James. And it was it was a really cool experience. And that's coming from the same person that you're now saying was being, uh, you know, a downright crap guy to you. Yeah. Well, it all depends on really the context of things. Now, coming from the the, the interview podcast stance, of course, it's going to be totally different. We get that. Yeah. But my dealing with a lot of these uh, wrestlers in the past uh, has been how you approach them and how you approach things. Yeah. Um, we talked about Lacey Evans earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I want to talk about something good about Lacey Evans. Okay. And that is that when she does meet and greets, I don't know if you've seen any videos or anything like this of meet and greets that she does. She stays in character. She does, yeah. She does not break that character. Yeah. She still signs the autograph. She still, you know, allows the picture to be taken with her and stuff. But she stays in that character. Yeah. And then if you're cool about everything, in the end, it's like, all right, come on. Come on in here. <laughs> Get a picture with the with the sassy Southern Belle. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I, I think this this might have been just a... Uh, a one-off situation possibly with this one person and they probably approached it wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and, and back on our interaction with Nick there, when we were doing the actual interview, we asked what you can talk about. And this was because I believe at the time he was still, I think he was kind of in between impact and what was global force wrestling at the time. And Mickey was obviously in WWE. So yeah. Um, but I mean that that just results in the proper communication before we did the interview. When uh, it's all in when it comes to all this, folks, just it's all in your, your approach to things. If like you said, if you rush up and, and throw a camera in their face, hey, they may not take it the right way. But you know, you just you need to be a little bit more respectful, and you'll more than likely in most of these cases get the respect given to you if you give it to them. That's right. And even if they are a heel character, they're going to play that heel as much as they possibly can until the very end. As long as you've gone things about things the right way and been cool with everything in the end, they'll break that character for 45 seconds. Give you that autograph, give you that photo and make sure that you're happy going home. But yeah, like they got to keep it up. They got to keep up appearances. Mm hmm. All right, Carl, I think that about wraps up for this week. I don't see any kind of too much for late-breaking news. The only kind of thing that stood out to me that I'll just kind of mention briefly because I, I, I thought it was, frankly, kind of hilarious. So this has to do with a WWE legend saying that Adam Cole should take steroids. And this is coming actually from WWE Hall of Famer superstar Billy Graham who said yep. that he should be taking steroids so you can look like a champion. I, yeah, I, I noticed that as well. Yep. <laughs> that almost made my head explode, Carl. Uh, we're, I would at least hope that we're past those days of doing that. Um, Adam Cole, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't listen to this guy. He comes from that kind of steroid age. And yes. there may have been a time and a place for that, but that has come and gone. So just keep doing what you're doing. You're the NXT champion. You do very well. You're being mentored by one of the best out there, Shawn Michaels. Just keep on, keep it on and don't go down that path. That's all I'll say. Definitely. And as we kind of hear a little bit more for next week, I think we should, uh, you know, maybe try to, to get a little bit more of a handle on is this whole Saudi Arabia situation that happened because Mm. there is a lot coming out on social media right now from, um, the, the superstars that were involved in this. So we want to make yeah. sure that we have absolutely all of our ducks in a row, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak, before we really make too much of a comment on this. That's why we haven't gone into it uh, this week. Yep. We wanted to make sure that we had a clear understanding of everything that was going on beforehand so that we're not just putting out dirt sheet stuff to you guys. So I hope that everybody can appreciate that and uh, give us a little bit of time to be able to take a little bit of a further look into things. And uh, hopefully we will have, you know, a better understanding and maybe a clearer picture of what happened that we can bring to all of you uh, come next episode. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't say it better myself, Carl. All right, well, that wraps up for this week, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Ciao. This is a dead beat wolf teller. Here's the machine to turn off the talk Joey Carl. <laughs> In the shadows of the dead tangle.